And so today we're going to start a, a new series, and uh, uh, it's going to be based on the foundations of our faith. And uh, basically what's going on in, in my life is uh, I, I've been wanting to do this for years, and you guys might not believe me, but man, I pray and pray and pray, and sometimes I drag my feet, and it takes me forever to take those things, that step of faith, you know, things that I've been wanting to do uh, for a long time. And so... As I'm getting older, you don't, none of us know if we have tomorrow guaranteed, huh? And so, you know, you're like, man, I want to do this before I die. I want to be able to give to the body of Christ, our church here in Almani. We want to be able to give them uh, the essentials of the faith. And so that way, as if the Lord tarries in generations to come, what they're going to do is they're going to refine these studies. And uh, basically, like kind of like Peter said, uh, I, I'm always going to remind you about these things, but I'm also going to make sure that I leave you these things as a reminder. And so this is so important to, to me anyways, the essentials of the faith. Uh, these are the things that you know, we don't uh, vacillate on. This is the thing that among Christianity we all agree on. Uh, and that it, at the end of the day, if you don't believe these things, then it probably shows you're not saved. That's how important these things are. And so it's important to the point that I would even encourage you, I don't know if you guys are interested uh, in taking quizzes. Are you guys interested in doing that? We wouldn't do it in church, but I'm going to provide an opportunity for you to do it online. And so we're going to have a link. I think we have a link to show you. Uh, some of you can write it down. Uh, it's kind of a long one. But if you go online after today's study, and that's why you have to pay attention, um, really pay attention this time. Uh, you can go to that website and you can take the quiz. Um, and if you, you know, don't get that, you can actually go to our website. You can go to the place where it's called signups. And under signups, you'll see a link there where you can click and take the quiz. Because uh, I think that, you know, when you used to go to school, you, you were accountable. And part of the reason that you excelled in learning or it motivated you to learn it's because you knew there was going to be a quiz on it. And so, you know, don't be here today and think, well, I'm old, Manny, and I can't do, you know, stuff like that. Listen, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And, and what we're going to see today, these things are so important because as, as we're passing the baton on to the next generation, you know, um, man, I, I, unless the Lord really does like a great work in the church, we're going to see the doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, what really is salvation, you know, the return of Christ, and even today the Bible, things are going to be watered down. And this is why we must be vigilant in knowing these things. And so I'm going to, you know, I've been teaching Bible college probably, man, 20 years. And so I'm going to give a little bit of Bible college stuff today. Now, some of you guys are going to know a lot of this, but the truth is, for those of you guys who do know this stuff, you know that most of the church doesn't. And so we, you know, we offer a new believers class and we get, you know, 20 people. I'd rather get 300 people. I'd rather get all the church coming in and let's learn these things together, okay? And so today what we're going to be talking about is the Bible. More than 6 billion have been sold. 100 million new Bibles were purchased last year. That's a lot of Bibles, right? in spite of the fact that it's been the target of vicious attacks throughout the ages, as the enemy has tried his best to silence the scripture. And yet what we find is that the Bible, um, it's not only survived, it's thrived, right? 
You know, but the enemy is trying to, you know, get us to discredit it. And we need to know really what the Bible is and how important it is to us. You know, there's a really cool passage in Psalm 119, 152. It says, concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. Forever. I mean, the enemy is going to come. He's going to try to destroy it. No, God says, I founded them forever. I like that passage in Isaiah 40, verse 8. It says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Listen, that's the Bible. This is such an important book. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And in all reality, the whole Bible is the word of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, it's interesting. Many of you have probably heard of Voltaire. Uh, he was a French writer, historian, uh, French inventor of toast, French toast. No, I'm just doing it. It wasn't. Um, but he was a famous philosopher, well-known really for his criticism of Christianity. Uh, he was a man basically out to destroy the Bible. He was very loud and very proud in his day. He thought himself to be an instrument of enlightenment. And he was sure that Christianity would be a thing of the past. And he boldly predicted when he was alive that within 25 years, the Bible would be forgotten. And so I thought it was really ironic, you know, that more than 40 years after his death, in 1778, the Bible and other Christian literature were actually being printed in the very home that Voltaire owned. I thought that was really interesting, man. You know, because I, I will say this, the enemy's going to try to destroy this, and, you know, we know that God won't allow it to happen. Psalm 119, 152, concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you found in them forever. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the word of God stands forever. Heaven and earth, heaven and earth, think about that. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word, Jesus says, will by no means pass away. Think about that. You know, one day God will create a new heavens and a new earth. And my, my belief is that he's going to take uh, the DNA of the universe that we have and he's going to glorify it. And so it's not, he's not going to eradicate it, uh, but he will create a new heaven, a new earth based on the DNA that's currently there, just like he's going to do with our body. But that's a huge thing. I mean, think about it. It's all going to pass away. But this word, this Bible that we have, it will never, ever pass away. And so that's, you know, God's word. Why do they hate it? Why do we love it? Because we know it's infinitely more than a book. It's the Bible. It's God's word to us. I like to say it's truth from the top in a land filled with lies. No one will ever destroy it. And, and in one sense, we don't have to defend it. You know, trying to destroy or defend the Bible is like having two men push with toothpicks on opposite sides of the rock of Gibraltar. I think we have an image here. Uh, this rock is so huge. Imagine having two guys uh, on, on, on both sides of the rock of Gibraltar, and one is trying to you know, push it down, and the other is trying to hold it up. No, this, this Bible right here, they might try to push it down. They'll never be able to. They might, well, we might, oh, I have to defend it. No, you know what? It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. And so we're going to see here how awesome it is. You know, God will not allow His Word to be destroyed. And because it's the instruction manual for mankind, 
you know, we know that God will preserve it. I like that Psalm uh, 119.105. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so without the Bible, it's dark. And without the Bible, there is no direction. You know, thank God for directions, huh? Aren't you guys grateful for uh, Google Maps or whatever, you know? I'm serious, man. I mean, just, I just thank God. I don't have to sweat it. It doesn't matter where we're going. All I got to do is punch it in. Um, but every once in a while, has it ever steered you wrong? A couple of times here and there, right? But this one will never will. I was tripping out on, I don't know if you guys knew this or not. They say there are um, 4 billion, no, 5 billion smartphones out there. That's a lot. I don't know if people have multiple smartphones or what, but there's a, that's a lot. But they say 77% of those uh, that have smartphones use Google Maps. Think about that. And so, um, man, this is what we have. It's direction for life. It's light in the dark. And today we're going to look at it. So important. Although, you know, it's not by any means an exhaustive description. Some have described the Bible with an acronym, B-I-B-L-E. You guys ever heard that? That's the book for me. Basic instructions before leaving earth, right? And so, um, listen, you don't want to die without discovering the basics of the Bible. You know, I don't know if you guys are, are interested in studying it. I pray that by the end of today's study, you would, that you would, like Mike McIntosh, he has a really, he's a book about studying it. It's, he says, falling in love with the Bible. Not that we worship the Bible, but we worship the author of the Bible, Basic instructions before leaving earth. It's a great acronym. You don't want to die without discovering the basics of the Bible because there you'll find the peace of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God provided in the Son of God so we can become children of God and live with God forever. That's why you got to really get to know the basic instructions before leaving earth. It's all in the book. And this is why we must read it and heed it, and love it, and learn it, so that we might live it. Uh, we got to know it, so we can show it to others, which is why I like what John Wesley said. He said, I'm a, I'm a creature of a day, passing through life as an arrow through the air. I am a spirit coming from God and returning to God, just hovering over the great gulf. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. And God himself has condescended to teach the way. He hath written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book at any price. Give me the book of God. And that's why John Wesley was used by God in such a great way. You know, I know for some this is review, um, but others it's new. And we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. You know, the Bible, I don't know if you knew this, most of you probably know it's divided into two sections, the Old and the New Testament. Right, 66 books uh, containing uh, 39 in the old, 27 in the new. But here's the thing that you got to know about it. In spite of the two uh, testaments, separated sections, 66 books with over 40 different authors from vastly different backgrounds, and even though some of those books were written a thousand years apart, they all fit together cohesively, miraculously, in an amazing unity and with the same theme woven within all the words from the first to the last, from Genesis to Revelation. And that's why 
uh, theologians like to describe the Bible in this way. They say that the new is in the old uh, concealed and the old is in the new revealed. And so you're going to have to know that for your quiz. No, I'm just joking. You won't. <laughs> I like to say that in Bible college because it makes people wake up. Anyway, so we're in church, huh? Um, you know, and so you're like, well, what does that mean? The, the, the new is in the old concealed and the old is in the new revealed. Well, take, for example, and you see it in many different ways, but take, for example, in the book of Genesis chapter 3, you remember when Adam and Eve died, what did God do? Uh, he killed an animal and he covered them, right, with the skin of the animal. And so you start going through the, the, the Bible and, and what you find is that there's going to be this theme about sacrifice. There's going to be this theme, and we can even get more specific, about, about the lamb, you know, the lamb. And you read it. Uh, throughout the scriptures, but in Exodus chapter 12, remember, you take the blood of the Passover lamb, and that's when the angel of death would pass over. That's the blood of the lamb in Exodus 12. You know, you read it in the sacrificial system. You read it in Isaiah chapter 53, how he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And so you're reading the Old Testament, and you're like, well, I was talking about a lamb. It's interesting, a lamb, blood of a lamb, sacrifice of the lamb. And so you got all this stuff in the Old, but then when you get to the New, it, just, it, it becomes revealed because then John the Baptist in John chapter 1, he sees Jesus coming. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, the new is in the old. It's all in the old concealed. But then the old is in the new, and then it's revealed. And then you go throughout the scriptures, and you read about the Passover lamb. Paul talks about it in, in 1 Corinthians. And then you go all the way to the book of Revelation, 27 times in the book of Revelation, Jesus is called the lamb. The lamb who was slain. The lamb who sits on the throne. And what you find is that throughout the whole Bible, even though it's written, man, such a, you know, thousands of years apart, 40 different authors from different backgrounds, you have 66 books, two different testaments, Old and New Covenant, what you find is that you slice it anywhere, you cut it anywhere, and it bleeds red. Because of the unity of the scriptures what we find is, man, God reveals these things to us. And that's one of the ways that we know it's miraculous, is the unity. Uh, another way that we know it's miraculous is the prophecy. You know, and what we find when you read the Bible, 25% of the Bible is prophetic in nature. And so God knows the end from the beginning. There's a neat passage in Isaiah 49, uh, 46, 9 through 10. It says, Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. And that's an awesome passage. Basically saying that the book that is prophetic in nature. The God who can tell the end from the beginning. And make it happen. He's proving to us beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that he's God. That's what this Bible is. You know, you read uh, about the life of Christ. Let me ask you a question, Christians. Have you ever looked at all the prophecies regarding Jesus Christ, his first coming? There's, there are 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming of Christ. Did you know that? 
I have a book. It's this thick. I have a handout. I can give it to you. It's amazing to me how the Lord knew the end from the beginning. The Lord knew everything. He knew that he was going to be crucified before crucifixion was invented. And so we, we know it's miraculous because of the unity, because of the prophecy. But ultimately, we know it's miraculous because of Jesus. Jesus told us that it is supernatural. He said in John 10.35 that the scriptures cannot be broken. And he said that God's word will not, no, never pass away. And we read it in Matthew 5.18 and Matthew 24.35. And so, I mean, we could spend uh, four months on this topic, but today I would like to give you four points that will be on the quiz And I would love it if all of you took the quiz, especially you pastors, especially those of you involved in ministry, and anyone here who you really want to, you know, retain the things that I, I, I mean, I've kind of sifted through all of this. These are the things that I think are important. These are the things you need to tell your spouse. These are the things you need to teach your children. And so um, I encourage you to maybe take that quiz And so four points. Uh, Number one, we're going to talk about revelation. Number two, we're going to talk about inspiration. Number three, we'll talk about illumination. And then, of course, we'll end in application. Revelation, we wouldn't know these things unless it was revealed to us, uncovered for us. You wouldn't know about God because he's invisible unless he revealed something about himself to you. You wouldn't know uh, where, where did we come from? What's it all about? Why am I broken inside? You wouldn't know that unless you had the Bible. What is love? What is right? What is wrong? What happens when I die? You know, are, are we really, I mean, think about it. Are we left to ourselves to figure all this out? I mean, for most of the world, it's more or less a guess, right? But God wouldn't do that to us. Our gracious God and caring creator has revealed himself to us, the things that we need to know. And that's why we begin, first of all, with revelation, okay? And so you'll have to know two things about revelation. You're going to have to know general revelation, and special revelation. Because how do we determine what's true? Uh, and how do we know these things? Well, number one, general revelation. This is something that you can go anywhere in the whole world, in the entire globe, of all time. Everyone has what's called general revelation. First of all, letter A is creation. And the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. As a matter of fact, turn to Isaiah chapter 40. In verse 26, and I like what it says right here, because especially now that we have telescopes and, you know, we can see all this. Notice what it says in Isaiah 40, verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their hosts by number? He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power Not one is missing. I mean, the heavens declare the glory of God. How many of you here, you you just, you like the blue sky with the clouds? Isn't it kind of cool? Have you ever gone to a dark, dark night somewhere and look up at the sky and you ever seen all the stars? 
I remember we went some friends with some friends to the Grand Canyon, and I don't know, we were on driving in some road, and I, I just remember we pulled over, and uh, there's no city lights anywhere to impede any of the vision, and we got out of the car, turned off our lights, and we looked up, and it was just a, a sky filled with stars. And when you look up, especially when you're a Christian, you're just, you're just, uh, you're just overwhelmed with awe. Who made all these stars? Who knows every single one of them? You know, their, their number, not one is missing because of the power of his might. And so what does that tell you about God? It tells you that he's an awesome God, right? I mean, you begin to look at creation. And then, and then you know, secondly, you look at conscience. And everyone has conscience. So everyone can see the things that God has made. And even a hummingbird. Even I trip out on these... You know, bugs. And there's a lot of bugs right now, huh? It's just bugging me, man. And, you know, I don't know if you're okay with it. I kill them sometimes, but, you know, um, I'm sorry. Anyways, you know, they're just so intricately made, the saltwater fish, uh, the art. I mean, when we were reading that, I mean, singing that song uh, about all the things that God has made, it reveals his heart. I mean, it just reveals his creativity, I mean, just uh, all the things, the way that we can reproduce and, and, you know, make children when we're married, this, the whole aspect of it, the taste buds, the tickles, all that kind of stuff. It begins to show us what kind of God we have, right? He's an awesome, wonderful, amazing God. There's a creation that everyone can see, and then there's the conscience that we all have within us, right? Right? And the conscious is an inner, uh, innate feeling or voice or sensor which functions as a personal guide to right and wrong behavior. The conscience is referred to 28 times in the Bible. Romans chapter 2, verse 15 talks about people who don't have the Bible, but they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness in between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing. So these are people who don't have a Bible, but they know it's, it's wrong you know, to cut in line, or they know, you know deep down inside it's wrong to lie, or it's wrong you know, to, uh, to, to kill. You know, they have the conscience, and that's why it's interesting. Remember in John chapter 8, when they brought the woman who had committed adultery to Jesus, and they said, hey, the law says they're supposed to stone her. And so Jesus was, in his wisdom, he knew she had been set up, and so he just said, okay, well, he who has no sin, let him be the first one to cast the stone. And remember, the Bible says in John chapter 8, they were convicted by their conscience. It was accusing them, like we read in Romans chapter 2, verse 15. See, our conscience will accuse us of things that are, that are wrong. It will excuse us of things that are right. And so even these guys, these ugly guys, these hideous religious leaders had a conscience. And so there's this revelation that's, that's general for all people, creation and conscience, and then there's what's called the special revelation. And so the special revelation consists of two things. Number one, one we're talking about today, which is the written word. The written word, the Bible. Right? This is special revelation. This is why we want to get the Bible to as many people as we can. This is why we want to teach the Bible because we can go tell all these people who are trying to be saved by works and have no peace within themselves that Jesus Christ died for them. Right? We have the written word, but then secondly, when it comes to special creation, we have the living word. 
and that is Jesus. How do we know God? You got the, the written word. How do you know God? You, you got Jesus. What's God like? Read your Bible. What's God like? Look at Jesus. Look at how much he loves. Look at how wonderful he is. Look at how he's the friend of sinners. Look at how he heals. I mean, you start looking at the life of Christ. This is the special revelation. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, you're wondering what's God like. He's been, he's been manifested to us. That's why Jesus later would say in John chapter 14, verse 9, he told the guys, if you've seen, the, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. That doesn't mean that Jesus is the Father. That means he's the same in essence and, 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 and nature and character. And so he's revealed God to us. And I read a a story about a mom who started to find her five-year-old going through a new Bible storybook. And as she's going through her new Bible storybook, she was circling the word God wherever it appeared in the pages of her new storybook Bible. And so at first she wanted to, you know, reprimand her, but she resisted her first inclination. And she quietly asked her daughter, why are you doing that? And the little girl's answer was, so that I will know where to find God when I need him. And I I just thought about that. Wouldn't it be nice to have that type of book where all we have to do is look and find God there waiting for us? And the truth is, we do. It's the Bible. You know, the Bible is the revelation of God to humanity and, and I will say this, if you kind of narrow it down even a little more, it's primarily a revelation of Jesus Christ, right? The Father points to the Son, the Spirit points to the Son. Why? Because he's a mediator between God and man. That's the man Christ Jesus. And so Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 39, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. And so one thing you've got to be careful of is because the religious leaders, they were like, well, we you know, we know the Bible, we memorize the Bible, but they weren't looking for the God of the Bible. And Jesus said, you search them because you think you have eternal life. Listen, these are they that testify of me. And that's why when we pray, Lord, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law, we really should understand the meaning behind that statement, open my eyes that I might see Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted... In the Gospels, Jesus is manifested. In the book of Acts, Jesus is preached. In the epistles, Jesus is explained. In the Revelation, Jesus is returned. It's all about Jesus. And you'll see that as you go through. You know, we see, first of all, uh, the revelation. And then secondly, the inspiration. And for that, I was wondering if you could turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. In verse 16, Paul writes, it's a pastoral epistle. All scripture is given by inspiration of God 
and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. According to this passage, the Bible is inspired by God, but notice the very first word there, all scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, we have a little graphic as far as the Greek word translated inspiration is theopneustos, okay? And you'll notice that it consists of two Greek words, which uh, theos is God and neustos is breathed. And so the Bible is God-breathed. And so, you know, you wonder, what does it mean is God-breathed? I don't know. Obviously, we're going to see that every word from Genesis to Revelation and the originals is from God himself. But just the fact that it's God-breathed, you know, when we speak, of course, we're breathing, you know, where there's, there's, you know, this air that's coming out of our mouth. It's almost like if you get close enough to the Bible, you can smell God's breath and it's good. I mean, that's the Bible. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathed. This is what we have. This is why we study it. This revelation we begin to understand is God telling us things that we would otherwise have never known. And then the inspiration, well, how did we get this book? And the answer is that God gave it to us via inspiration. And the inspiration refers to the fact that God supernaturally gifted the authors of the Bible to write what he wanted to communicate. Everything in scripture is there because that's what God desired to say to humanity. Now here's where it gets a little bit more Bible college okay? But I want you guys to know this, and it's actually not that difficult. It's cause it, but it's important because there are different views out there. We believe in what's called the verbal plenary inspiration of the scriptures. Verbal plenary. Can you guys say that with me? Verbal plenary. Okay, you're like, what does that mean? Basically, in a nutshell, it means every word from Genesis to Revelation. That's all. Verbal plenary. Every word from Genesis to Revelation in the original manuscripts. Verbal verbal means that every word of scripture is God-breathed, not just the ideas behind the words, because some guys are neo-orthodoxy, all that kind of weird stuff. I mean, they'll tell you, well, it's just the thoughts, and some things are, and some things aren't. No, listen, you know, we can't pick and choose. Every word from Genesis to Revelation. The word plenary means complete or full, and when used to describe the inspiration of God's word, Plenary means that all parts of the Bible are equally of divine origin and equally authoritative. And it's important for us to know that. Because some people, believe it or not, they'll even tell you, don't teach the Old Testament, just the New Testament. And so there's a lot of application to this. No, everything is of divine origin from Genesis to Revelation. That's why Psalm 119, verse uh, 160, it says, The entirety of your word is truth, and every word, one of your righteous judgments endures forever. The entirety of your word is truth. And this is why Jesus said in Matthew 5.18, For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And so Jesus said, not one jot, not one tittle, 
And so we actually also have a graphic of that to kind of show you what a jot is. I mean, Jesus would write using Aramaic letters, so to speak. This is what he's referring to, even though writing the Hebrew language. And so there's the jot. It's the smallest letter. And there's the tittle. Now, you'll notice the distinction between the two letters, Beth and Calf. And all it is is that little mark on the end right there. It would be like, you know, the difference between an O and a Q. And what Jesus says is every jot, every tittle is inspired. I don't know if you realize, I don't know if we realize what we have. I don't know. It's God's word to us. From Genesis to Revelation, every jot, every tittle, every word, every letter, every grammar mark, It's all given to us by inspiration of God. Now, how did he give it to us? How did he inspire the Bible? We don't believe in dictation. Uh, I think the Quran, others, you know, they they say that God spoke and, you know, there's a secretary writing things down. No, that's not what happened. Uh, We don't believe that God dictated, which when you read the Bible, you'll notice that each author maintains his own style. You'll notice that. And, and even does his own research, like Luke, for example. So in that sense, there's a human contribution. But the inspiration of the Bible is of divine origin. If you turn to Second Peter uh, chapter 1. Notice what we read. In verse 19, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This is how we have our Bible. It's 100% human, but it's also 100% divine. What does that remind you of? It reminds you of Jesus. 100% man, 100% God. This is why when you read John, his style is so different than, than Paul's or Hebrews or, you know, this different literary styles we read in, in the Bible because God didn't violate them, but he did carry them along. He did inspire them. You know, and, and so it's interesting. Uh, someone gave me a Starbucks card uh, when I was coming into church service today, and I got so happy. <laughs> and I said, that's, that's you. I mean, you're such a wonderful sister in the Lord, but it was also God, I was telling him. <laughs> you know, the Lord... He, it's amazing how he works through human vessels, doesn't it? You know, I'm going to tell you guys something, and, I, and I don't, I'm not looking for pity or anything like this, but it's just hopefully to bring glory to God and hopefully to show you what a wretched man that I am. But on Friday, it's supposed to be my day off, okay? Your day off. And what do you do on your day off? You just watch TV, right? And whatever. <laughs> Kick back. No, I'm just joking. We work at home. Different things. Anyways... On my day off, you know, I, 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 I basically I came in here and, uh, and I had to go in my office. I had about three hours of work 
to do because I, I needed to get the journal done. And so in the back of my wicked heart, I'm thinking, Lord, it's my day off. And here I am doing this journal thing, and I don't even really know, Lord, if it's making a difference. And it was just so cool because right there and then, as that thought is going through my mind, a sister, she, she just turns to me and she just says, Pastor Manny, today's journal entry was perfect for what we're going through today. And it was like a divine, like God, like here I am in my, you know, whatever pity party, wicked weakness of a man that I am. But then God speaking through her exactly what I needed to hear. See, God does that. You see? And it was her and it was him. And that's what the Bible is from Genesis to Revelation. You see? This is the inspiration of the scriptures. You know, that leads us to the next thing, which is illumination. So in order to understand the Bible, we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate God's word to our hearts. We won't understand it without his assistance. And so we should pray in order to truly see and understand God's word. Psalm 119, verse 18, it says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. So that's why you pray before you read the Bible. You don't just go and yell at your wife and then go and open up your Bible and think that God's going to speak to you. Absolutely not. John was in the Spirit, and he received the the revelation from Christ, right? I mean, it's a spiritual book. Luke 24, 45 says that Jesus opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. See, God has to open up our understanding it's a language the natural man doesn't understand. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And so the revelation of God showing us things that we would never know, you know, the inspiration of how we really got the Bible, and then there's the illumination that as we're here studying it together, There's a miracle taking place. Some of you here, you don't understand what we're talking about. You don't understand because you're not saved. Others of you here, you do, and it's a miracle. Now, there are some of you, you're in between, and what you need to do is talk to somebody afterwards. (laughs) I remember when Ezra was teaching the Bible. It was kind of cool. So Ezra taught from the platform, And then afterwards, it was so cool because you had all these other guys that the people would go to and they would explain to them what the message was all about. And so if that's you, don't leave without, you know, talking to someone. Hey, I didn't get it, what he's talking about, the inspiration thing, what's that? You know, so, but there's illumination in which the Holy Spirit shows us what it means. And so with that, we're getting near the end. There are basically five forms of Bible intake. You know, because this is so important for us. Number one, reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here believe everything you read in the Bible is true? Okay. And then number two, let me ask you another question. How many of you believe everything you read on the Internet and social media is true? None. So why do you spend more, more time on the Internet and social media than you do in the Bible. Do you think maybe God is calling us to study his word a little more? 
reading the Bible. Number two, meditating on the Bible. Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Meditation. Meditation is not for the Eastern religions. Meditation is not something that they give to us. No, it's from God. The Eastern religions will tell you to empty your mind, but God will tell you to meditate on his word. And so, you know, you're too busy. We're, we're just too busy to actually read it and meditate on it, aren't we? But we have to, because the Bible talks about that, even in Psalm chapter 1. Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the path of sinners, sin the sea of scornful. But that man that's blessed is the man who meditates in his word day and night. So reading it, meditating on it. Number three, memorizing the Bible. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And seriously, if I can just ask, are you memorizing the Bible? And and probably 95% of us do not have any intentions of hiding it in our heart. But when when the devil came against Jesus, what did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. He stood on it. He swung his sword. And so we should read it. We should meditate on it. We should memorize it. Number four, we should hear the Bible taught. And that's what you guys are doing today. So we're going to give you an A on that, okay, if you're listening. (laughs) That's why God gave us teachers. He also gave us pastor teachers, right, to hear the Bible taught. And today it's crazy, man. You can go on your app, on your phone, on your radio, and you can listen to Bible studies all day long. Find the ones that God's leading you to. Be consistent in that. And then number five is studying the Bible. Studying the Bible. The King James Version translates 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so one of the things I just kind of want to stir up inside of you today is that you would become students of Scripture. It's so good to dig in and be open because bottom line is, there are two ways that you can approach the Bible. You can you know, look at it with your mind made up, or you can look at it and study it to let it make up your mind. You, know, you might say, well, I go on Sundays. Listen, that's, I don't think that's enough. I'm not saying that you all have to become pastors and missionaries, but I am saying that as you study the Bible, you're going to be blessed. Especially us, we have so many resources nowadays You know, I read a story about some small fishing village where for many years a flock of seagulls fed on the scraps the fishermen left. All was fine and good for the seagulls until one day the fishing became poor and the villagers moved down the coast to a location where fish was plentiful. But the seagulls did not follow the fishermen and because they had lived all their life on the scraps that the fishermen left behind, they never learned to feed themselves and the flocks died. And that's why it's so important that you and I, we learn to study the Bible on our own. Right? Because we know that believers who feed only on what others teach them are like these foolish seagulls. You know, if you don't study the Bible for yourself, then how can you test what I'm saying? This way you can test everything that anyone says. 
A long time ago, I remember the Lord gave me a poem because, you know, one day I told my wife, I think I need to buy more commentaries. And she said, what do you need commentaries? Why don't you just ask God what it means? She, she said it in a nicer way, I think. But <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, I remember reading, writing a little poem, God is alive and God is here. At times he speaks through others and they whisper in my ear. But this same God who lives and whose closeness is his art prefers to speak straight from his throne directly to my heart. You read your Bible. You turn off the television. You get along with God. You don't have to be a pastor or a missionary. You just have to be someone who loves Jesus. That will change your life. You want to see God move in your family, Dad? You be the one. You open up the book with your family. Miracles will happen. All you got to do is open up the book with an open heart. And that leads us to the last thing, and that is application. In James chapter 1, and verse 22 it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. And so a lot of times people think, well, I mean, I heard the message and I went to church today and so I'm good, man. And what that is is actually a deception of the enemy. He says, no, it's not good enough to, to hear it. Manny, it's not good enough to teach it. You have to be a doer of the word. Remember what I told you earlier? Read it and heed it. Love it, learn it, so that you might live it. When you get to read the Bible and you get taught these uh, nuggets of truth and exhortations, you know, in, in, in God's ways and you don't do it, it, it's like, you know, chewing on something and not swallowing it. It's like having an abortion. There was something that was about to be born. There was life that for whatever reason, we don't live. And so I just pray that God will bless you. I mean, we don't have time, but uh, when you get a chance, you read 2 Samuel 23, 9 through 10. And, and what it talks about is one of David's mighty men. And, and it talks about how he, uh, he killed uh, the Philistines. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. Imagine that. Imagine having a sword and you're fighting, you know, so, uh, man, passionately with this sword and you're swinging and you're killing and you're fighting and it's just it's so much a part of this warrior's heart that his hand, it gets stuck to the sword. That's kind of how it has to be for us. You're a Christian. Don't ever let go of this. I pray you would swing it with all your life. And if you're not a Christian today, I pray you would know that, uh, that, that there's another book that's important. It's called the Book of Life. And you want to make sure that your name is in the Book of Life. If you're not a Christian, I pray that today you would make a decision, no longer playing church. I'm not just going to go because... You know, so-and-so invited me, and I don't want to make them feel bad. Or, you know, I'm not just going to go because it's Sunday and it's my religious obligation. 
because going to church doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Do you know Jesus? Do you know he loves you? Do you know he died for you and rose again? Have you given him your heart? Do you believe? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? I pray that if you're not, that today you would make that decision.